Welcome to episode 19 of The Shanna Plan. I am Kyle Posey. I'm joined by my homie Akash. Akash, what's up, man? What's good, KP? Um, Season is unofficially over with that loss on Sunday to the Dallas Cowboys. Um, You know, it hurts for 49ers fans a little extra because they never like losing to Dallas, but Andy Dalton and the Cowboys officially put a fork in the 49ers legendary revenge tour. Um, and on we go to the offseason. So many tweets about the revenge tour. Um, All those hashtags. Let's retire that and let's just leave that in 2020. We don't have to do that again. Um, not a big deal. The 49ers are going to be good next year. So we don't have to come up with a hashtag and beat it into the ground. So as you mentioned, 41-33, Kendrick Bourne catches a Hail Mary at the end of the game because why not? And C.J. Beathard threw it. Before that, C.D. Lamb takes an onside kick to the house because why not? That's all you need to know about the game. Nothing made sense about the game. It was not a good game to watch. Uh, There were a lot of points. And it might have been, you know, more entertaining than the actual Sunday night football game that it was fleshed out for. But the 49ers, as you mentioned, eliminated from the playoffs after the Cardinals won. They have the Cardinals coming up this week. But on Tuesday is where the real action happened for the 49ers. So they opened the practice window for Jimmy Garoppolo. And that doesn't mean that Jimmy G is going to play right away, especially since the Niners are on a short week. They play on Saturday. But Kyle Shanahan said we could see him. On the season in the season finale against the Seahawks, here's here's Shanahan's actual quote: "No, he's not." When asking if Garoppolo is going to be like the emergency backup this Saturday, no, he's not. I mean, that only that's only if the doctors told me if he's 100% safe and he feels good, and I'd be very surprised if that happens. Right now, he's safe to go out and practice, which we're only going to have a walk through today. But it'll be fun for him to go throw the ball around a little bit tomorrow meaning Wednesday, because as we said, just today, uh, Tuesday was a walkthrough. But we're going to be very safe with him this week, and we'll see next week. But I'd be very surprised if it changes. So there's always that added qualifier to every Jimmy Garoppolo sentence that Kyle Shanahan says. Gosh, what do you think? Are we going to see Garoppolo against Seattle? No. There's absolutely no reason to play Jimmy Garoppolo in 2020. We said this last week on the podcast, and we will say this again. Um, The entire thing now for the 49ers is about 2021, and the Jimmy Garoppolo question will continue to arise this offseason, and you do not need to play him these next two games. You do not need to risk him getting hurt. Regardless, if you think he's the future and want to keep him, then keeping him healthy is your priority. If you would like to move off of him, then making sure he's healthy enough to pass that physical in April um, is the other priority. So in either case, him staying healthy is the most important thing. And this doesn't matter if you're the 49ers. This doesn't matter if you're Jimmy Garoppolo's agent, Don Yee. Keeping Garoppolo um, from having that ankle surgery or whatever can happen on the field is, you know, the biggest priority for the 49ers. And so that's why I don't think you play him. I think opening the practice window just gives him the opportunity to get on the field, um, throw to receivers, et cetera. I don't think you should read into it anymore. Um, And so the 49ers made some other transactions that we'll hit on later in the podcast that sort of insinuates that Jimmy Garoppolo will not be taking the field in 2020. And that is 100% the right move. Yeah, no, and 
that's an interesting point you had there just by the other transactions that we're going to talk about. So let's talk about Nick Mullins, who we will not see for the rest of the season either. Shannon said that Mullins had a, quote, pretty serious injury, quote, to his right elbow. And there's a possibility that Mullins will have Tommy John surgery, which you don't hear a lot of in football. So it must have been pretty severe. And Shanahan also added that the reason that Mullins wasn't benched for C.J. Beathard essentially this entire time was he he legit felt like Mullins had outplayed C.J. Beathard during practice or during the games. He said, quote, it's not a huge difference, but that's what we go with. The guy who gives us the best chance, and we believe that was Nick, end quote. So what do you think about that? Do you think that was there much of a difference between Mullins and Beathard? Did the 49ers make the right decision to keep rolling with Mullins throughout this whole time? <laughs> I feel like we talk about this every week. It's like shuffling deck chairs. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. I don't think anyone gives you a better chance to win. It's really just kind of how they perform on that given day. So on a given week, Mullins may look better than Beathard. And then another week, Beathard may look better. Like I, When you look at it in like a 16-game sample or something like that, I think – there's not going to be very much difference. They're both backup quarterbacks for a reason. Um, the one interesting thing from Nick Mullins' injury, I don't know if you caught it. Like when I was watching the game, I didn't think he like got hurt or anything like that. Next thing you know, Beathard's in the game. And it was a weird time for you know Mullins to get pulled, so I didn't think he got benched. And then you see him kind of like shaking his arm off, and I was like, oh, maybe just like you know he had his funny bone hit or something like that where he just lost feeling momentarily. And then you hear it's Tommy John surgery, and the first thing I thought of was, that's the injury that Ben Roethlisberger suffered this last season. And if you guys watch any Pittsburgh Steelers football, his arm's shot. Like, he looks bad. And he had a cannon before. Mullins never had really any arm strength. And now, with this type of injury, like, is his career over? Um, like, I could totally see him just being, like, done with football and not getting an opportunity after this. What do you think? Yeah, so Mullins is a restricted free agent. So what are they going to do with him, with a guy like that? Are they just going to release him? Like, I, I have no idea because they're, we've talked about having a makeover in the quarterback room, and many people do expect a different backup, not just a different starter. But, yeah, we're going to see some changes in that room. So I would imagine that, we, I mean, we, based on every contender offer, I would assume, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, I imagine we've seen everything, like – what I want to say is we've probably seen the last of Mullins in a 49ers uniform. Like, why, would, why would you bring him back based on what we've seen? And that's not, not a knock on him. We, he just had an opportunity to play. He didn't play well. He's supposed to be a backup. He was never supposed to play this much anyway. And now that he's hurt, you're probably going to move on from him. And that means CJ Beathard has entered the chat. And if you are wondering why CJ Beathard's backup or who's CJ Beathard backup, on Saturday would be great question because of the six day rule, Fortnite's aren't able to get guys in the building because they have to pass all the different COVID protocols. So signing a free agent backup that was just on the street was out of the question because as soon as we just mentioned the different quarterback moves that were going on, a billion mentions were like, just sign cap. That's not how this works. That just wasn't a realistic option for the team. Shannon said that during the press conference, it was about mid-afternoon on Tuesday. The team was in the process of signing someone, and sure enough, it was none other than former Cardinals quarterback Josh Rosen. What do you think about that? Because I there were plenty of fans that were just, you know, Super Bowl. <laughs> they just thought that he was going to be the savior. What, what's your what's your take on Rosen? 
the first thing I did is immediately I looked up his hot tub picture. Like that's the thing. Whenever you think of Josh Rosen, you think of that picture when he's in a hot tub in his dorm. Yeah. Um, Cause he's like a legend for that. And I was, I tweeted that out and I said, that's QB one right there or something like that. And obviously I was just joking around, but that being said, um, there's a reason Josh Rosen was a first round pick. He was drafted extremely high. Um, obviously he's bounced around and um, like you mentioned, there's, different reasons for that whether it's coaching staff change or his you know kind of personality work ethic how much he loves football those were questions coming in to you know his NFL career and now he's bounced around he was obviously on the practice squad with the Buccaneers behind Tom Brady so maybe he's picked up something um you know football wise or work ethic wise and um yeah I'm interested to see you know what Kyle Shanahan is going to do with him I'm also curious like why they didn't do this earlier in the season. Um, like instead of a Josh Johnson, why don't you just try to sign Josh Rosen at that point? So maybe that gives you some intel on kind of what they really think about him is, um, you know, he's really just an emergency situation quarterback. Like if Josh Johnson was to come off the COVID list, would they cut Josh Rosen? Maybe. Um, but yeah, you know, I've seen CJ Beathard. I've seen that experience. I've seen that movie. That movie sucked like Rotten Tomatoes would give it like a 10 out of 100. Like, I don't want to see that movie again. So just play Josh Rosen. I know he doesn't I know he doesn't know the playbook. I know he doesn't know verbiage, play calls, whatever. Just roll him out there. These two games don't mean anything. Just give me something else to watch as a consumer um, and as someone that has to watch this team. Just just give me something else. And that that's why I said I'd start Josh Rosen over C.J. Beathard um, just because I know what I get with Beathard. So. That is a fair point. In a sense, no. And when we're talking about Beathard, yes. And obviously, Rosen is going to come in on Wednesday. He's not like he's just. What is he going to learn from? Like he's going to really, really have to study that playbook just to know what's coming. And that's before he can study what the Cardinals are doing on defense. So that's it. they're going to have. I mean, Beathard's going to start. Beathard's going to play. The question is, will we see Rosen and? And I mentioned how fans were so excited about Rosen, and that was just despite his history and knowing the playbook because his numbers are horrific. Like he on the NFL, that was with the Dolphins when he had one touchdown to five interceptions, with the Cardinals when he had 11 touchdowns to 14 interceptions. His completion percentage in in both seasons were below uh, 55% or at 55 and then 53% with the Dolphins. He just doesn't really look like he knows where to go with the ball when you play, when he – uh, when he's on the field, but I mean, yeah, it's another year, and we've, as you said, we know we've seen C.J. Beathard, who also does not know where to go with the ball. If he did, he would have started, and Kyle Shanahan made that pretty clear. Like that's why Mullins has played. So, I mean, I would have honestly, I probably would have rather seen Josh Johnson get get this. I probably would have too. At the same time, I mean, Johnson hasn't been activated or elevated from the practice squad either. So uh, speaking of Josh Johnson, he was placed on the reserve COVID list. And that's why we're in this situation to begin with um, by signing Rosen. Kevin White, wide receiver, was also placed on the injured reserve COVID list. So my question to you just before we move on from the quarterbacks, will we see Rosen this in either of the next two games? I'm going to go yes, just because obviously Nick Mullins is done. I know Josh Johnson tested positive for COVID, I think. So it's not just like a close contact. He can be back in five days. So is he going to come back in whatever? I think they play two games in like the next 12 days or something like that. Probably not. 
Um, so the likelihood he plays Saturday is really low, but there's a chance he plays against Seattle. I mean, like I said, they got, they got nothing to lose. They're not playing these games or anything. You're better off losing. So just roll them out there to see what you have. Um, would be my take on it, especially if he's, you know, spent a week in the offense or whatever. So I, I would go that route. Yeah. The last thing here on quarterbacks before we get out of here, we have a, a little talking point from Kyle Shanahan that we want to play for you. So we'll, we'll play that here. Take a listen. I know as a play caller throughout my career, having a lot of experience of that type of stuff, what you try to do the most when you're turning the ball over a lot, um, especially at the quarterback position, what I've learned and I've always tried my hardest to do is run the ball when it's like that. I feel like you're trying as hard as you can not to turn the ball over. All right, Akash, what was your takeaway from that? He, he said some things in there. What do you think? Like what, what was your – what were the words that really stood out to you when Kyle just talked? I felt vindicated because I feel like I've been arguing with people that consistently say that Kyle Shanahan really trusts his quarterback, especially after turnovers. He lets his guys throw the ball, whatever the case is. And Kyle basically just contradicted that. He refuted that argument by basically saying, my quarterbacks throw a pick. I just take the ball out of their hands as a play caller. And obviously he has the ability to do that by just calling run plays, which is basically what he said. And we saw that routinely in the NFC playoffs. If you watched any of the 49ers playoff run, just look at their wild card game against Minnesota. Jimmy had like three or four interceptable balls, obviously had a pick. And then they ran the ball 65 times after that in the playoffs, all the way up into the Super Bowl to 13 passes. They only threw 13 passes the rest of the way. Um, and you can tell me all you want about how they had, ran the shit out of the ball against Green Bay, whatever. Um, then in the Super Bowl, same thing. Jimmy has a bad pick, and then Kyle immediately gets conservative. I don't think Kyle Shanahan as a head coach is that conservative. He's a young, aggressive play caller. But the one thing that he despises, I think, is turning the ball over. And we're not talking like arm punt, deep shot type turnover. We're talking like 5 to 10 yard, middle of the field, middle linebacker picking you off type thing. So it's just turnovers you just can't have. And I found it interesting that Kyle basically admitted that he just takes the ball out of the guy's hands, which in one way kind of makes sense because the quarterbacks are limited. But then in another way, if you bring in another guy who's more experienced, um, who tend, who may throw picks, does Kyle still have that kind of tight leash or does he let that quarterback grow? Cause you got to let your quarterback make mistakes. Um, and that's how they kind of develop, but it'll be kind of interesting to see how he moves forward with another player. But I understand why he's doing that with Garoppolo and Mullins especially. Yeah, I'd love to see what his take is just as far as – because this year he's told us what he wants. And he's also told us how he's evolved as far as mobile quarterback goes. But he said that he wants somebody who knows where to go with the ball, who's essentially playing on time. And, I mean, accuracy and arm strength goes without saying. But he, it seems like he just wants a guy that – knows how to operate his offense at a high level. And he does not have that. And I feel like if he did have that, we would see that. So that's Maybe why. Anyway. Yes. That's why this topic continues to come up is because that is not on the roster. And that's why we keep talking about the Zach Wilsons and the Matt Stafford and, and on and on. So George Kittle will play on Saturday. He practiced last week. He actually looked pretty good. I didn't think he looked good on Wednesday, but on Thursday – I don't know what he ate for breakfast, what he took, but he looked like a player that he he had a chance to honestly play on Sunday. 
So the doctors must have given the 49ers a thumbs up because Shanahan said, you know, if, if I'm going to play, or if he's healthy, we're going to play him. And we actually have a little soundbite on that here. So we're going to play that right now. If he's healthy, I just don't see the reason why not to. I mean, that's the same as every other player on our roster. You know, it's if you're healthy and you're not risking something, I mean, we would never ask him to play injured or anything like that. But he had a good week of practice last week. Um, most of the soreness was going away. Obviously, I don't want to get George hurt or anything like that. And that's why we're going to be overly cautious with it. And that's why we have been. Um, but if there's someone's 100% healthy, I can't look the rest of the team in the eye and tell them they don't, they have to play, but George doesn't. So that's just part of having a team and part of treating people the right way. So there was a few lines in there that stick out to me. And what I want to talk about is I want to actually compare that to the Clippers. So there was a story that came out where, you know, Kawhi Leonard was able to kind of do what he wants to when he was in the bubble, show up. And if he wanted, it was late. He was late. He wanted to drive home. He'd drive home. He just, he was a superstar and he was treated like a superstar. That does not create the correct culture, like team building, team winning culture. You have to hold players accountable. In this situation, it sounds like Kyle's going to treat George Kittle like he's going to treat Aziz Alshu here. Like he's going to treat number one and number 90 the same on the roster. And that's how you create this sort of winning type of culture. And, I mean, in the most simplest sense, if Kittle's healthy, I mean, he's probably going to want to play anyway. So, I mean, I, I understand that line, line of thinking. But you you disagree with that. You you had a tweet today, calling it coaching malpractice. You had another word for it as well. What, what do you think? It just pretty much sounds like the risk isn't worth the reward. Yes. I said it was coaching malpractice at the time. And even after I listened to the sound by all over again, I – Still, you know, I still agree with that. And you bring up the Clippers situation. And here's what's different between Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and that Clippers team. They were trying to win a championship. That roster was constructed to win a championship. They were brand new. And that was year one with Doc Rivers. They had to cultivate championship habits with a bunch of, you know, um, guys on that team. So when you have that type of a situation, bad habits, you know, and you build them over time, not good. Doesn't build for a good culture, uh, a lack of accountability, all that kind of stuff. In the NFL, when you have a 90-man roster where the roster turnover is significant, how many of the guys on this team are even going to be on the roster next year? Probably not a not a high amount. And the next thing, um, this is a meaningless season for the 49ers. They're eliminated from the playoffs. They've got two games left. You've got nothing to be gained. George Kittle isn't playing for any financial incentive. There's no Pro Bowl, All Pro, like none of that. No records, no nothing. Doesn't mean Jack in the in the big scheme of things. The only thing you're ruining by putting him out there is the potential risk for injury, right? If he gets hurt and it's long term, it's serious. And we've George Kittle's a physical player. You know that. If he gets hurt and you risk any type of injury, it's a total abomination. Like you just can't afford that. Right. He's one of your franchise's most expensive players. He's under contract. His extension hasn't even kicked in the five-year one he signed last year. You have to have him healthy on the field. hundred percent. He's coming back from a foot fracture ahead of schedule, I think. So now you're putting him on the field earlier than he was supposed to. Like this is very easy to explain where, you know, he's not hundred percent or we'll hold him out the rest of the season. Like I think there's ways to go about it. 
where you don't alienate some of the other players, but you do the thing that's best for the team long-term, which is keep George Kittle on the sidelines and protect himself from getting hurt. The other thing I would say is that this isn't like peewee football where little Joey and little Ben and all these kids are like on the same level. Like there's levels to this stuff, right? George Kittle, all pro level player making 15, $16 million a year. He's going to get treated differently than the undrafted free agent that's making like $600,000. It's just the nature of the business, right? Like that $15 million asset is way more important to me long-term because he's one of my most important players. Got to keep him healthy. That's the only thing that matters. I understand the culture that Cal's trying to create with accountability and making like guy one through guy 90 being treated the same, but that's just not the nature of the beast. And, um, you know, if he goes and plays out there, it is what it is. I just hope he doesn't get hurt. I hope he stays healthy for his benefit, for the team's benefit long-term because these games don't mean in, in the big picture. For sure. No, and that's fair. And I, I agree with where you're coming from. That makes sense. Like with that line of thinking, I feel like, where we disagree here is if George is healthy, then he's probably going to play. Like he's going to play whether it's week 17 in a season where you have five wins or whether it's week 17 in a season where you're 13 and three, like they're going to roll out their best player no matter what, if he's a hundred percent healthy. And I feel like that's where the conversation, especially with it being his job, you're not going to look at him and say, Hey, we're not going to play you and then go to the next guy. As And I think Kyle mentioned that in the soundbite where he's not going to pull Fred Warner, Trent Will, like he's not going to play all his best players. So I, I do agree with his line of thinking as well when we're just talking about the different sorts of players. I get that. I wouldn't bench a player that's 100% healthy or, you know, hasn't experienced an injury like a Fred Warner or Trent Williams. But George Kittle's coming off of a foot fracture. He's like seven weeks or whatever into the thing, into the rehab. That's where I'm like, okay, just hold him out for the extra few weeks. It won't matter. I'm not saying, hey, bench Trent Williams, bench all the good players or whatever. But that's – I totally agree where, where you're coming from as well. I just – yeah, I just just hope he stays healthy. That's all. And we're going to take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about more injuries because we're talking about the 49ers. All right, so there are a few other injuries that we need to talk about as well. Richard Sherman had some soreness on Sunday. He did not practice on Tuesday, even though it was just a walkthrough. So – Kyle Shanahan said he's going to be out there later in the week, and they'll just see how he feels. Akilah Witherspoon and Emmanuel Mosley played very well. So, I mean, if Sherman is hurt, I'm not sure that – I mean, is it? it's messed up to say that I'm not sure that there's a steep drop-off. But it just – honestly, Sunday, it didn't seem like Sherman was all – like he was really there. It didn't seem like he was trying his hardest. And I know that's awful to say about somebody, and you, you don't – you don't really want to talk about players and, you know, their effort level, but it just didn't seem like we've seen Sherman be a very aggressive tackler. And he, he was a big reason why the 49ers run defense was as good as they were in 2019. But that just was not the case on Sunday against the Cowboys. And I mean, he just seemed like lethargic going through the motions type. So if he doesn't play, they have options. And Jason Brett did practice on Tuesday in full, so he missed Sunday with an illness, so that's another starter there. Javon Kinlaw, he had a knee injury. I believe he's day-to-day. Uh, the big news was Raheem Mostert, who was shut down. He had a high ankle sprain on the same ankle that he hurt. And actually, speaking of Raheem, we can talk about his little Twitter storm on Monday. 
So on his Instagram, apparently, well, I don't know if it's 49ers fans. I don't know if it was free, uh, fantasy fans. It's a mix of both. Nobody wants to take uh, <laughs> take the blame and act like they were that. But, I mean, people were just pretty reckless in talking about Mostert. And I guess saying that he got injured on purpose, which is a take. My feeling that if you are mad that your fantasy player did not play well, that is a you problem because you did not address the situation correctly. If you thought Mostert, based on everything we've seen this year, he's had injury. Like, he's been nicked up in a lot of the games, it feels like. And he's also splitting the carries with Jeff Wilson, who Mostert's not even a third down or goal line back. So you starting Mostert was a you problem first year. Do not – I like, we should never at players anyway, but just being out of line and going, like, to that extreme is just not acceptable. Um, we, we, we talked about this a little bit. If you're an athlete and, you know, you obviously you have a certain status, are you responding to any of these tweets? Because in my mind, I didn't have a problem with Mostert. Not, obviously, he's not going down the list of responding to every credit, but he kind of just put out a statement like, hey, you guys have to chill. Like, that's pretty much how I read that. Like, just stop with the disrespect, essentially. How do you feel about that little tweet storm and how would you have handled it if you were Mostert? Yeah, I tweeted this out immediately after Raheem Mostert you know, um, put out a statement, ranted, whatever. Fans on social media, whatever platform you want in 2020, that's that's what it is, right? When you give people platforms where they don't have to provide their real name or their picture or whatever, they're going to say stuff just because this is the internet. It is what it is. So if I was a professional athlete and I said this, I just wouldn't read mentions. Like, like, dude, just delete Twitter or delete Instagram. Like, have the accounts just in season or if you have a bad performance or if you get hurt or whatever, just avoid the comments. Like, control what you can control. I'm a big believer in that. And it's a lot easier to control what you can see or what you read versus, like, you know, hundreds of millions of people who are, like, tweeting at you or in your Instagram comments or whatever. Um like I would just go that route and like not read my mentions. Like I feel like I don't like I'm a nobody and I feel like I don't read a lot of my mentions right now because sometimes they can be a dumpster fire and people come at you for random things and say all sorts of crap. And I can't imagine what professional athletes get. And, you know, people shouldn't go to those extremes, especially over like fantasy football or gambling or whatever the case is, but they do. And so if I was the athlete rather than like being consumed with the negative energy that comes with that, I would just like completely shut it off, avoid it, not even worry about it, and just focus on like more positive things that come out of it. So I don't blame Raheem Mostert for going on his rant. I understand where he's coming from. If I was him or any other athlete, I would just avoid the circus altogether because it doesn't mean anything. There's just random people yelling into the internet. Yeah, it's, it's pretty tough. I mean, it's easy for us to say that now because nobody is talking about us, um, and there's not this overwhelming, you know, whether it's positive or negative, the support of people coming up. And, and somebody told me this way back when that, you know, if people were talking about you that much, you would probably search your name like some of these athletes do. So, and I, and I do kind of agree with that. But at the same time, if you just hit that X button in the top right corner, man, all these people are fake. None of this is real. And you can just go on with your life. He's got young kids at home. He's got a beautiful family. Just worry about that kind of stuff. Let the internet trolls be the internet trolls. And this is where I think the human element comes into that. And I was going to go in that direction you just said. Uh, Father just had newborn, is away from his family during the holidays, probably just so fed up right now. 
just found out that he was shut down for the season. So all that was probably just one big, I'm going to let out all my frustrations and feelings because we've seen, like, he's an emotional player. And he, is. he gets, like, he, we've seen him tear up on we these, up, yeah. which I love that he's, you know, that intense. So I, I didn't, that didn't bother me, but, yeah, I mean, it was just different to see. And, and, I mean, these athletes do it all the time, but um, either way. There's so many different ways to handle it. So three pro-, pro bowlers, Trent Williams, made the Pro Bowl for the eighth time in his nine-year career. He was voted as a starter. The one year he did not make the Pro Bowl, 2019. He did not play football in 2019. He is seriously that good. And when you watch him and Lake and Thompson play next to each other, it, it looks like they've been playing next to each other for a long time. Like those two are really, really good. And he said uh, – I forget the exact line today, but he, he made it sound like he wants to be around the 49ers for a while. Uh, any thoughts on Trent Williams? He, he should be an all-pro player. Um, and so, you know, the 49ers should do whatever they can to re-sign him. Um, when they traded for him, this is the best-case scenario. They got a player that was healthy for 16 games that started, um, you know, outside of a few COVID-related games. He was there the entire time. He's fantastic. Locked down the left side. Bring him back. He looks like the player of old, and he's still, what, 33, 32, something like that. So um, good for Trent Williams, man. Good for him. Would be in the comeback player of the year conversation if it weren't for Alex Smith, maybe like Jason Verrett, some of the other names that are out there. Yeah, I mean, his position is going to make it tough to win any of those type of awards, but he's awesome, man, and I I feel like we should really acknowledge that. So the other two players to make the Pro Bowl, Kyle Juszczyk, Fifth time fullback and Fred Warner first time were there. Uh, first of all, Juice had a pretty cool comment today that he was just more excited for Fred Warner making his first Pro Bowl than he was for his fifth Pro Bowl. Did you feel like the 49ers had any type of snubs? Snub? Not necessarily. I don't think there were any players that really um, earned it and were snubbed. I think they had four Pro Bowlers last year. Obviously, like different names earned it this year, which is pretty cool. Um, the other player that you and I talked about was maybe Jimmy Ward getting in. Maybe he doesn't have the stats to back it up, which hurts him in a conversation like this. Cause the pro bowl is like a fan voted thing. So it's a, it's a lot of like, okay, how many sp- splashy plays do you make? How hyped are you on social media? Things like that. And Jimmy Ward is more of like a, you got to throw on the all 22 to see his impact. So he may never get in. He may never get that due that he, you know, deserves, but thought he is deserving. I think. Yeah, he, uh, that's a good way to put it, just because he doesn't have those same type of splash plays. He's not going to be a guy that um, really has those, like, even past breakups. But he's, he's a really, really good football player. He has better, like, advanced stats, like average depth of tackle. That fan, Like, who cares about that? Nobody's, <laughs> nobody's going to say, what's your average depth of tackle? Uh, where are you making your tackles? How many stops do you have? He has better missed, uh, missed tackle percentage than the other guys. Like, nobody's going to offer that. So I don't like. I think that Jimmy Ward should have made it over like Jamal Adams because all he does is, I mean, get sacks. He probably couldn't cover me, but uh, whatever. Like you're not gonna go to bat and just get upset about Jimmy Ward. So those are Pro Bowls. A lot of injuries. We talked about the quarterbacks as of this moment. BYU is playing. They are up 35 to 10 at halftime. Zach Wilson is 17 for 21. He has four 330 yards, which is amazing. Which is insane. He has rushed 
or he has thrown for three touchdowns. He also three carries for 23 yards. He has thrown or ran for two touchdowns. So he's accounted for all five of BYU's touchdowns. To be fair, he's essentially playing seven on seven. They're not, I mean, he's just standing back there all day, but that doesn't mean we can't enjoy it. That doesn't mean uh, we have to take away from his performance. He's just playing really well. Uh, we will talk about Zach Wilson ad nauseum, I imagine, as well as all the other veteran and rookie quarterbacks in the draft. Um, Arizona on Saturday, the 49ers opened up as three and a half point uh, underdogs, which, why? Like, at what point is Vegas going to acknowledge that the 49ers are, have a backup quarterback? And he plays, and they all play like backup quarterbacks. I've been burned. Three weeks in a row by that, and Vegas has still not um, – yeah, I don't know. It, but that line is now – so after the moves today, I, it, it bumped up to five before we came out, which still – I don't feel like that's not enough. I'd make it like double digits. Like that's Kyle Shanahan respect right there from Vegas. It's, it's, that's what you need to know about Kyle Shanahan. Nick Moore was favored by three points against Josh Allen. Like that was insane. Like think about that. Josh Allen might be in like the AFC Championship game. Nick Mullins was favored. Um, then they were favored again, right, against Dallas. They were three-point favorites. They, you know, obviously locked out, right? So Vegas has been real off with the Niners. Um, they just haven't been super accurate. So I would hop on that. Arizona's playing for something. You know, they're fighting for a playoff spot. They're obviously at home. Not not sure how much that, of an advantage that has. 49ers and Kyle Shanahan, maybe you hit on this. He looked really demoralized today. Like, this was the first time I saw him, and I was like, man, I feel bad for that guy because he was just like, I'm trying to field a roster right now. Like, we don't have a luxury of, like, playing younger guys to see what they've got. Like, we're just trying to get 22 dudes out there to play. Um, so I I think there's a chance to get boat raced uh, on Saturday. Short week. Holidays coming up. Lots of families in town. They've been displaced now for a few weeks. Just Every, it's like a perfect storm of everything. Start C.J. Beathard. There's a chance they just get destroyed. Yeah, I'd be curious to see, you know, if Sherman doesn't play since it's a short week and, you know, he's still or, or if maybe Kinlaw or either of these guys because they're already shorthanded. And you mentioned he was demoralized. Like, he he just looks exhausted. It's been one of those seasons, not one of those days, not one of those weeks. One of those seasons, man, when it's – Pretty much Murphy's Law for him. So I, I kind of feel for him in that sense. And, yeah, he's he's not the only one dejected. You've seen, like, players like Fred Warner, who is always uplifting and, you know, happy. Just a happy person. Just, they, they don't have much to say right now. They're ready for it to be over. And I think that's that's the case for most fans right now. They're ready to kind of turn the page. If you want to turn the page, you're probably going to have to do that in another, a few positions, man, because – 49ers are going to have a lot of decisions to make at a lot of key critical positions, and there's just going to be a domino effect a lot. Uh, is there anything else that you want to touch on before we get out of here? Yeah, so their draft spot, which is now all we have to focus on, it was like this seesaw for the last like seven weeks where we were like, oh, Super Bowl, oh, draft top five. Like We just kept going back and forth, and finally, now that they've been mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, we can talk about draft. And so right now, you know, I'm looking at Tankathon. They're drafting 12th, which is where they were last week. So they haven't really moved up. And what's biting them in the butt right now is their strength of schedule, which is extremely high because they play a bunch of good teams. So they're going to get screwed because of that because they're in like a six-way tie right now or a seven-way tie for, you know, at a five and nine record. But they're at the bottom of that because of their strength of schedule. So 
yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch the other teams that are kind of in that spot um, to see if the Niners can move up. I think they probably land somewhere in the bottom half of the top 10, which is not bad, but not that'd, be the, that'd be the other thing to watch. It'll be fun. There's The season's almost over, but this season is just getting started in a sense, and that will be fun. It will be entertaining to cover. There is going to be so many different aspects of this team, and we are just getting started. So you can follow me on the Twitters, KP underscore show. Akash, how about you? You can follow me on Twitters at A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V. Uh, I actually had one more point. The Jets winning this week is actually huge for the Niners because they fell out of the number one spot. So there's a potential trade partner, I think, if the Niners want to get up to two. Because um, I think the Jets, they may not go quarterback if they don't take, take Trevor Lawrence. So that was a big win for 49ers fans and their front office. Um, and, and it was over the Rams, so can't hurt. Two for two right there. We will take that every time. So with that, we will end on Jared Goff losing to the Jets. Happy holidays. Happy holidays.